I would love it if you would uh, turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, but you can kind of set it aside. We're we're not going to get there until the end. This morning, I get to start a series in which I'm going to answer all the great questions of life. Isn't that cool? Like, like, like by the time we're done here, we're all going to walk out more informed and intelligent than anyone else in the rest of the world in the history of time. Like, it's so cool to me that we get to have this kind of series. Unfortunately, I'm the one who's providing the answers. And I know how inadequate they are. So even if you walk out thinking to yourself, that was a great answer, know that there will be a part of me that will be thinking to myself, man, have I got them fooled. They think I knew what I was talking about. Now that might seem absurd, but there's a sense in which that's true. Nonetheless, like anyone who holds any specific ideas to be true, Christians should have something to say to those who question us. Both those who question us because they're skeptical and those who are seekers. And so if you're skeptical today, we feel like we've got something we need to say to you. And if you are a seeker today, we think we have something that we need to say to you also. And the fact is, this includes what we need to say to ourselves. Like, is there anyone here who doesn't think to him or herself at some point, man, I wish I knew the answer? And so we are, in some sense, all seekers, and I think in some sense we're all skeptics. Certainly we know that our children are, and we need to have some kind of answers for them. So, for example, a child might say to their daddy, Daddy, did the cow really jump over the moon, and did the dish really run away with a spoon? You know, I think I can almost hear myself asking my parents that. Or they might say, completely different kind of question, who came to Canada first? Who was here before anybody else? It's an interesting question. Completely different kinds of questions, but definitely deserving answers. And there's nothing wrong with asking those kinds of questions, certainly. But then, what happens when our kids say to us something like, After we've explained, you know, they they say, well, what was before this and what was before that? And finally, we get to the point where we say, well, God was before everything. And then you know what the next question is. But who created God? And that's a tough one. And so our questions at times, because we are, in fact, seekers, searchers, run a little bit deeper. In fact, so deep then I'm not going to pretend that I'm going to answer the question sufficiently in the next 25 minutes or so. But I do think that we have something to say that starts us down a path. And that's a good thing because God calls us to do just exactly that. We read this last week. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. If we're Christians, then we are called to do just exactly that. And so I'm going to deal with this kind of issue this morning, giving some kind of answer. And I want to ask this kind of question. Is there such a thing as truth? And is it important to think that there is? Now, if you're as old as I am, that might seem at one level a strange question. 75 years ago, people weren't asking this question. 
Nobody was asking 75 years ago, is there such a thing as truth? Instead, what people were asking 75 years ago is what is true? And that they had been asking for a long time. The two big questions people always ask is, what is true and how do we know it? And those questions have been asked for a couple of thousand years. But the question of, is there such a thing as truth, is actually a pretty contemporary question. People didn't doubt that before. In fact, today it's recognized that even science and the conclusions that science reaches are dependent upon our own perspective. And so, the eyes through which you are seen, and this goes for science just as well as it does anything else, the eyes through which you are seen are as crucial when it comes to reaching conclusions as what it is you're looking at. Just think on that for a moment. The eyes through which you are seen are as crucial when it comes to reaching conclusions as what it is that you're looking at. And again, that is not something that people looked at 75 or 100 years ago. Instead, people were saying, what is the truth? And today, people are saying, there's no such thing. Because when you look out at something, you have to see it with your own eyes, even in the case of scientific data. And so we look at scientific data, but we look at it through our own eyes. We interpret it differently. We see it differently. We explain it differently. We evaluate it differently. This is easy to see. The color green looks entirely different to someone who is colorblind than it does to someone who is not. But even for those who are not colorblind, how do we ultimately know when we look at green that the green we're looking at is identical to the green that the person next to you sees? And so we say, I see blue, and somebody else says, I see blue too. But is the blue, is the shade of blue that you're seeing together exactly identical? It's very difficult to know. And if this is the case with something as basic as that, then can we depend on anything being ultimately true? Or are the answers to all questions going to be suspect because they're being answered by people who cannot help but see things through their own eyes? In other words, can we ever really define what green is or blue is? when we know that everybody is going to see blue or green completely differently. You could say, well, it all has to do with spectrum, light spectrum. And yet, from my study of physics, physicists don't even know whether light is a particle or a wave. And so if it's not a light or a particle, or if it's not a particle or a wave necessarily, then how do we know ultimately what green is, is the point. Well, I think all of that has to be taken into account this morning, but I don't at all think that that's where it has to end. And, and this is the difference, I think, between a lot of people and our world today, because the world today so often says, this is the end of the question. We have to stop here. There's no way of getting beyond this dilemma of, I see everything through my own eyes, and so do you, and we don't know ultimately what we're seeing, or if we're seeing the same thing. That's where a lot of things lie today. And therefore, I would just want to start asking some questions. And so today we want to talk about the question of truth, and is there such a thing? And I'll define it, first of all. Truth is this, and this is not my definition, but I think it's a good one. 
Truth is the property that exists when a statement about reality corresponds adequately to reality, to the things it describes. Truth is a relationship of correspondence between a statement about reality and reality. Ultimate truth describes the way things ultimately are. And that makes sense to me. It makes sense to me that if I say something is true, that I'm trying to say something about what is real, about what is actually there. Now, the fact is, we could get into this very deeply, and there's philosophers who would debate this question endlessly, endlessly, and whether or not you can actually make such a claim about truth. I would say, however, that this makes sense, that there can be statements about ultimate reality, and that we just have to ask the question whether or not those statements reflect reality as it actually is. Now, I would say some other things also about truth. In fact, I would say there are at least three possible truths about truth. If you don't get the irony there, that's kind of interesting. The first is this. Is this. There is nothing that is ultimately true. There are only perspectives. That is one of the things that is said about truth. And I have to say that, and this is, of course, the way so much of the world looks at the question. And what I want to say this morning, that is from my perspective, this makes absolutely no sense. And the reason why is because this itself is a truth statement. It seems to me like this is the great inconsistency. Because as soon as you say there is no set of circumstances, there are no statements about those circumstances that can be called ultimately true, there are only perspectives, as soon as you say that, you have stated something that you believe to be true. This is a truth claim. In other words... That there is no such thing as truth must, in order for you to be consistent, be only your opinion about truth. It's not an ultimate truth claim. So the idea that there is no such thing as truth is not necessarily true. In fact, saying that there's no such thing as truth looks totally contradictory. It looks nonsensical. It looks actually totally stupid to me, if I want to put it bluntly. I'm not sure that anybody who says this can actually believe it. It doesn't make sense that they would believe it because it's so self-contradictory. Now, I don't know if you agree with me about that, but if you don't, I don't know how you don't. Or, yeah. <laughs> like, it just makes sense to me that this has to be the case. You can't say there is nothing that is ultimately true. There are only perspectives and really mean it, because it's self-contradictory. Now, that's not the only problem. We could go on all morning just talking about this one. We won't. But that's not the only problem. Um, the fact is, if there is no truth, then nothing truly real exists. Because if I say, 
There is reality, but that's not true. (laughs) Then I'm saying that there is no reality, and yet I'm the one who says it. I'm believing that there's something real, namely the fact that there's no reality. And that seems also self-contradictory. Somebody might say, well, if we don't believe in ultimate truth, then there's the possibility of social harmony. Because all of us can say, well, it's only our perspectives, and we can agree to disagree on everything, and we'll just come together in perfect unity because we all recognize that none of us has the ultimate truth. My impression is that what that really is, is anarchy, and seems to be actually a very destructive idea. And so the notion that social harmony will exist when people just drop all of their truth statements doesn't make any sense to me. I don't think we'll end up agreeing in any way, at least not in a harmonious way. We could, in fact, talk about how disbelieving in truth leads to absolute despair. Because if there's nothing true, there is nothing real, then all those great questions about whether or not I have purpose and whether or not I have meaning ultimately can't be answered and, I would say, are meaningless. And so we have reality, apparently, but we can't talk about it. We have something where we're involved, we live, we make statements. And if this is the case, then Solomon was ultimately right when he said it's all meaningless. The trouble with Solomon's statement is that God himself, of course, is not meaningless, and Solomon knew that. He might have been talking about all that we are is meaningless, but of course, in light of God, it's not all meaningless. And so this is the first problem that I see in terms of the kind of claims that people make today about truth. Here's another idea. There is more than one ultimate truth. But this also seems to me intellectually, rationally incoherent. Having more than one ultimate set of circumstances that are true requires that at least two mutually exclusive truths or statements are to be held at the same time, which they simply can't be, and for us to be rational. You say things are ultimately this way. I say things are ultimately different than that. One of us is right and the other wrong, or we're both wrong because we're talking about what is ultimately and finally the case. We can't both be right if we're talking about ultimate reality. You say there's a creator God. I say that the universe is eternal. They can't both be true. Statements like this are obvious to us. All swans are white. All swans are black. You can't hold both of those at the same time. All swans are white. White does not exist. Makes no sense. Matter is eternal. Matter had an origin. Doesn't make any sense. There is God. There is no God. You can't have it both ways. One of those has to be true. There is one eternal God. There are many eternal gods. No, that doesn't work. Not if we say something like, God is like this, he's A, or God is like this, he's B, when A and B are actually mutually exclusive. If you can't hold both A and B, then God is not both A and B. 
What if I said this to you? Nothing I say is true. Wait a minute. Nothing I say is true? Is that true or is that not true? It's not true. What if, yeah, brilliant. You come and preach. What, what, what if I said everything I say is a lie? That's not true either. Absolutely the case. What if I said this, as I said to somebody this morning, you could not possibly be as stupid as I think you are. Now just think about that for a moment. If I think you're that stupid, but then I'm saying you're not as stupid as I think you are, then what do I really think? These statements all are nonsensical. And the same thing to me seems true when someone says there is more than one ultimate truth. I recognize that there are different truths about different things, but when it comes to the idea of ultimate truth, ultimate origins, what is finally true about all reality, there is only one way, it would seem to me, that all things can be actually true. And so I would say there is only one set of circumstances that is ultimately true. There is only one reality, one way in which everything actually is, even if we don't know what that is. Like, I would say that that's the only kind of rational conclusion that people can make in response to the question. This is the same as saying that there can be only one way of everything to be real. There is only one way of things to be the way they really are. One reality. You can't say, everything is just like this. This is the one reality. And then say, but there is another One reality, the way things really are. It can't be that way. There is ultimately only one reality. Now, by the way, that's not the same thing as saying yet, and I will get there eventually in this series. It's not the same thing as saying there's only one way to God, or even that there is one God only. I haven't said that this morning. I actually believe both of those propositions, but that's not my claim right here. And so I'm not making a religious claim. I'm just making a scientific claim, a philosophical claim, a claim about knowledge. And I think it needs to be accepted by all rational persons. Like, for example, if I ask you, how many different ways could the universe ultimately arisen? One. There has to be only one. You can't have 15 or a 1,000 or a million different origins of the universe all at one time. There only can be one ultimate way in which the universe came into reality. Either it's eternal and it's existed forever, or it became a reality in one way, personally I think maybe all at once, In a singular set of circumstances, it seems to me like there is no other answer that is rational. So either there is God, whatever that means at this point, who is the source of real circumstances, or there is not God. But only one of these situations is real and true. The other is unreal and untrue. One time Jane Fonda, who is no bastion either of incredible intelligence or conservatism for sure, 
was being interviewed by Dick Cavett, along with the Archbishop of Canterbury. They're on the same stage. And somewhere in the conversation, the Archbishop of Canterbury makes the statement, well, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And Jane Fonda looked at him and said, well, maybe that's true for you, but it's not for me. It's not for lots of people. And the Archbishop of Canterbury looked back at her, and this is totally the right thing to say. He said to her, well, either he is or he isn't. And that's exactly right. Like, ultimately, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Ultimately, there is a God or there isn't. You can't have a circumstance where there is a God who created the universe and has the ultimate answer for everything, and yet at the same time, there's some other answer. As if we can talk about ultimate truths. There is one. And I would say that this is true not only of the natural world, but it's true of the divine world or the supernatural world. Because the supernatural world, the divine world we're talking about, we would say is as real as we are. It has the character of being real. And if it's real, then you can't have ultimate answers that compete about whether there is ultimate reality, what we might call God, and then some other ultimate reality, either not God or some other God. There is one reality, and that's all. And so there is only one way things really are with both respect to the natural world and the supernatural world, it seems to me. Okay, if, if we believe that, if that's the case, then I think we have some kind of responsibility. What are we going to do with this idea, this notion that there is one reality? What are we going to do about that? And I would say there's some things we need to do about it. We are, in fact, I would say, compelled to talk about it to talk about reality, or to talk about the way that things really are. The fact is, we're a curious bunch, interested in reality. I think because it's good for us to think in this way. Now, I would say as a theist, as a Christian, I would say God created us that way. I think it adds to our existence. Very few people are able to just ignore the question, even if they say they do they ultimately respond to it in some way. And so we have to deal with this question. What I love about Christianity is that that's exactly what Christianity does. We are people who are really interested in the most ultimate question of all. We want to know what's really true. Like, I don't think there's anybody here who thinks to him or herself, well, if I found out that there was no God, I would still continue to worship him. We, we don't want to do that. We care more about that ultimate question of reality. What is really true than we even care about our own faith, which I think is exactly right. I think that's intellectually honest. If somebody could prove to me there was no God, it would be time for me to stop believing. So we need to discuss this question. What is true? How do we know it? Is there something beyond the natural? Why are we here? Do we have purpose? Does life have meaning? These are questions people have been asking forever. They're great questions. What I would say is that Christianity provides answers to those questions. And this morning, I'm not saying it, it supplies the true answers. I'm just saying it supplies answers. 
we have to evaluate those answers. We have to ask the ultimate question and decide whether or not what we believe fits with the answers to those questions. What is real? What is true? Now, the fact is, other religions, other philosophies, they ask the same kinds of questions. That's why they're there. That's why those questions exist within those religions. They're trying to ask the same kind of questions. It's interesting, not all think that there is just one religion that expresses the one truth, although the fact is most do. Like if you look at most of the great religions of the world, they would say there is one truth and they are it. We do the same. But not all think that. It's interesting the way that plays out. So I don't want to say too much about this today, but I personally think that there are big problems with the idea that all religions somehow give expression to one truth. And the main reason is because they're so contradictory in the claims that they make about reality. And we've already said there can only be one reality. They, in fact, seem to me to be mutually exclusive, and most of them, I would say, are in about the same situation in terms of trying to say something about ultimate truth and competing with one another. I personally have made a choice. I think that there is a truth claim about all of this that can be believed. Now, the last thing, therefore, that I want to say today is this. Christianity does make a clear claim about what is true, which is to say that Christianity does make a claim about reality. And this is where we turn to the Gospel of John. Because Christianity does make statements actually about truth. And as I said a moment ago, when it comes to different religions making claims, Christianity doesn't mess around here. Like there is no room to say that Christians can believe the truth about God and the truth about Jesus and then also believe some, some other uh, alternative truth claim, and that's because of the claims that Christianity makes about itself. So I want you to turn to John chapter 8, verse 32. Verse 31 says, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you Hold to my teaching, you are really my, really my disciples. Okay, so there's some teaching there they need to hold to. And then he says this. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And all I want to do is ask at this point, does Jesus himself think that there is truth, or does he not? He does. At the very least, Jesus himself is saying that he thinks that there's truth. In fact, he says that there is incredible value in the idea of thinking that there is truth. So at the very least, if you're going to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ, you're going to have to make the statement that there is truth. Because this is something that Jesus himself taught, there is truth. Now I want you to flip back to John chapter 1. So Jesus himself thinks that there is truth. In verse 8 of John chapter 1, it's talking about John the Baptist. 
And it says, he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. And then look at verse 9. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. There is something said here about Jesus Christ himself. Jesus says there is truth. This makes the claim that Jesus is in fact the true light that enlightens every human being. And that this human being who enlightens all other human beings was coming into the world. That's the claim. Light has come into the world. It comes in the person of Jesus Christ as the truth. Now look at verse 14. It says the same kind of thing. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. (coughs) Excuse me. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father. And what does it say he is full of? Grace and truth. It says here that when Jesus comes, he brings with him the truth. That's a claim that Christianity is making about Jesus Christ. Now look at John chapter 14. And by the way, the Gospel of John is my favorite book in the Bible. And this is one of the great reasons that it is is because it speaks in this way. It speaks about truth, like no other book does. And then Jesus, in verse 6 of chapter 14, says, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And people always have trouble with the second part about no one comes to the Father except through me, because it sounds so exclusive. But it totally builds on the first part of the verse, that he is in fact the truth. And it builds on John 1.9, and it builds on John 1.14. Because if Jesus is in fact the truth, if he's really the truth, if this is a, a true claim that he's making, that the Bible's making about who he is as ultimate truth, then there cannot be another way to truth other than through he who is the truth. Do you understand that? Like this is totally rational and logical and consistent. You can say Jesus is not the truth. He was wrong. Or he lied. Or they were wrong about him. This is a big error, a huge mistake. He is not the true one. You can say that if you want. And we can debate that question. But you can't ask the question, what did Jesus think? And then say to yourself, there's got to be other things that are true along with what he thought. Because he thought he was the truth. He thought there was truth. He thought he was the truth. He thought he brought the truth. Jesus Christ, according to Christianity, is the truth. And there is no room for anything else, from what I can tell, in order for us to be rationally and intellectually consistent. Now I want you to turn to John 18. The great question. This is when Jesus is standing before Pilate. And you look at verse 35. Am am I a Jew, Pilate replied? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you've done? 
Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would, f- would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. And, and then Jesus says something in verse 37 that I think is actually the heart of the issue, more so and more important than Pilate's great question in verse 38. Look at verse 37. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And then Pilate says in this famous question, which has become like the... the uh, uh, the, the standard bearer for all of the postmodernism that we experience today. Every time somebody reads something about truth from Christianity, they, they bring up verse 38. Pilate says, what is truth? And then the debate goes on about what exactly he meant by that. And I would say that the real importance here is not in verse 38, it's in verse 37. When Jesus said, I came to testify to the truth, and everyone on the side of truth listens to me. That's a claim about truth. Again, either he's right or he's wrong. But if he's right, it means everything. And personally, I've investigated this question. I've read lots on this question, and not just within Christianity. This week, I read portions of the Quran just to see again if I got something out of it more than what I got the first time I read it. To be honest, I didn't. I find it a bit incomprehensible. It just doesn't speak to me at all. And, and I mean to my rational mind, the way that Christianity does. And so I think Christianity expresses something about truth. And the question we have to ask is whether or not that's the case. And I think we have to ask this question honestly, reasonably, and approach it with vigor. So, is this a reasonable way to look at things? Well, you'll have to make a decision on your own whether or not you think it is. Like, for example, is it a reasonable thing that God actually exists? If there is only one way, as I've said, that things can really be, does this include God? And so that's the question we're going to look at next week. Does God exist? Is it a reasonable thing for us to think that maybe there is something divine beyond us that we can call God? And, by the way, I just wanted to do this for you. Sorry, we've already done this part. A place for truth. This is one of the resources that I've been looking at recently. I've read lots of books on apologetics. I really encourage you, if you're, if you're interested in this question and want to do some pretty significant reading, I encourage you to look at A Place for Truth, edited by Dallas Willard. You can get this easily on, you know, through Amazon or whatever. It's not an expensive book, but it's a great book. And, and what it does is, uh, there's a, a, years ago, there was a girl who was going to Harvard, and she had on her mind the question of truth, and she was, she'd been at Harvard for a little while, and she thought to herself, you know, the one question that the university is not allowing me to ask is the question of truth. And they won't allow me to ask it because all they want to talk about is how there is no truth. Everybody has their own truth. 
And it really frustrated her. And so she started a, a conference, a seminar called Veritas. And there are forums now, Veritas forums, that have been held at universities across North America and around the world. Pepperdine University, which is one of our schools, actually hosted four of these. They've been at the University of Calgary, they've been at UBC, they've been all over the place. She started these Veritas forums, and what they do is they get together all these incredible philosophers and scientists and uh, you know, theologians, all kinds of people, and they talk about these great questions in an audience that is not necessarily Christian. And they approach all these great questions at a profound level, but in a communicative kind of way. And so you can actually get online, go to the Veritas forum, get online, and you can listen to a host of conversations that, that eminent uh, scientists and philosophers have about God and religion and truth and, and all these kinds of questions. What Dallas Willard did was he took a bunch of these that he thought were the very best and that answered the great questions, and he put them together in one book. And it's great stuff. So I would encourage you, if you want to look at A Place for Truth, edited by Dallas Willard, and you're kind of, kind of uh, going to see the places where we're going to go in the next few weeks. Well, I don't know if this is intriguing to you. I think it is fascinating stuff. I think it's incredibly important. And we just want to keep doing it, I hope. Um, I'm excited. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for the chance we've had to share together this morning. I pray, God, that the search that we're doing can be fruitful and helpful, that it will make us better thinkers. But more than anything, God, we just want to be devoted to you. And and that's only if you're the truth. If you're not the truth, if you're not really there, if I'm just speaking into the air right now, then, Father, I'd pray that somehow we would be changed and impacted in such a way that we would say, no, he's not there. But we do believe you're there. And Father, I'm, I'm praying to you because I trust you. I believe you're there. I believe you're the truth. I pray that the, that the search we're going on here can be helpful, that it will still our hearts, that it will give us peace, that it will give us assurance and confidence, uh, that it will convince us about you as the truth of the universe. It's through Jesus we pray, because he's the truth. Amen.